That's right, we didn't finish chapter 4. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We'll, we'll get a Bible to you this morning so you can track along. Don't want to miss out this morning. Everybody got their Bibles all dialed in? All right, let's pray. Ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord, we're just so grateful to be together, to be in your presence this morning, just to, to settle our hearts now before you. Thank you for how, um, Lord, you're so faithful to meet with us each week, each time we open your word, each time we draw near to seek your face. And you do it in such special ways. And so um, this morning is no different. Um, We thank you ahead of time for the great things that you're going to do for a fresh work of your spirit within each one of us, individually, corporately, as a family as well. May you have your way in this place this morning for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, so we have found ourselves, um, where did we leave off? You guys remember? Chapter 4, verse 15. Yeah, we're moving into, I'm going to read the 16, 17, and 18. Um, Just by way of reminder, we've hit this autobiographical section um, of the book. And remember, the Apostle Paul is... Um, by and large, defending his ministry, his apostleship, um, to a church that he had planted and pastored. And really, um, he had no business doing that. He, had no, he shouldn't have had to do that, in other words. Here's a church that he loved and cared for, and um, there was a small minority within the church, a small group within the church that were causing problems, that um, were talking trash about the apostle Paul. And so as we work our way through, we see him giving a defense But all along the way, which is so beautiful, is that we learn some amazing things about our God. And this morning is no different. In fact, Paul's mindset, um, as he deals with everything that comes his way, everything that's thrown at him, is to make sure that he keeps his heart and mind fixed upon Jesus Christ. That's a safe place to be, isn't it? the safest place to be, keeping our eyes upon Jesus. If you were here last Sunday night, how many of you guys were here last Sunday night? Where were you guys? <laughs> Last Sunday night, we were looking at, remember when Jesus walked on the water? You guys remember that story? It's an awesome story. The disciples were in the boat, like doing donuts, right, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, trying to be obedient. And who comes walking out on the water? It's Jesus, right? He'd been praying, and he comes walking out on the water. And what does Peter say? Lord, if it's you, who else could be walking on the water, Right? <laughs> If it's you, command me to come to you. And the Lord's like, come on, come on out. And, you know, Peter gets a hard time because of what happened next, but he was the only one to get out of the boat. But we learn an important lesson, don't we? He's, he he's, gets out of the boat, he's walking on the water, and all of a sudden he, what, he sees that the wind is boisterous. He's, he's seeing the effects of the wind. He takes his eyes off of Jesus And what's so amazing when you read that story, it it doesn't say Peter was sunk. 
It says, if you go back and look at it, beginning to sink. Beginning to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. And there are some of you this morning, I know that's exactly where you are. You are beginning to sink. You're not sunk because you never sunk with Jesus. But you get your eyes off of him. You begin to lose heart. You're, you're getting to that point where it's like, I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm sick and tired of this. I've had it. And Paul says, look at the, the first verse we look at, verse 16. Look what he says. We're going to keep from losing heart this morning. Paul writes, God's word says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is what? Is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why? For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And so Paul says, we don't lose heart. We don't get bummed out to the point where we're going to throw in the towel, where we're going to quit. In fact, he says physically, he says the outward man is perishing. Physically, we are deteriorating, right? It speaks of the decay process that we are going through as we age. Is anybody feeling the effects of that this morning? Some of the, some of the younger folks in the congregation are saying, no, six-pack, made in the USA traps right here. Look at these guns. Just give it some time. From dust we came, dust we return right gravity will have its effect no matter how no matter how much you fight it no matter no matter how many nips tucks lifts lift kits juicers la fitness memberships you can fight it as long as you want the outward man is perishing but what does paul say yet the inward man is being renewed day by day paul says for us the new man is being developed, is growing, being transformed each and every day. And sometimes, don't you like look at the Apostle Paul and sometimes think, man, how did he keep going? He was like the Energizer Bunny. You guys remember the Energizer Bunny? He keeps what? Going and going. You look at the Apostle Paul. He takes a beat down. He gets stoned with rocks, gets back up right into the town. He keeps going and keeps going. How do you keep on going? How do you not lose heart? Maybe you feel like you've been beat down, like you've been hit with with rocks this week. How do you keep from losing heart? Well, Paul tells us right here, we need to be renewed each and every day. Paul needed daily renewal, and I need daily renewal. Are you with me? We all need it. Every day we need that revival, that renewal, that reinvigoration that comes from the Lord. And here's the deal this morning. If you get this upside down, you you will lose heart. You'll get bummed out. You will not serve the Lord. If you make the precedence of your life, if you make number one the physical and not the spiritual, things will get out of order in your life. And the problem is we do that, don't we? We get things upside down. We put so much emphasis on our physical and then neglect the spiritual part of our life that is the most important part of our life. And so Paul reminds us we need to be renewed day by day. 
day for our light affliction. Isn't that interesting? Paul calls the things he went through light affliction. Back in verses, I think it was 8 through 11, he talked about we're hard-pressed, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. How could he say that? How could he say that's a light affliction, what he went through? Well, it tells us, and the answer is right in the verse. Look what it says. Why? Because the things he was going through, the things that we suffer, the hardships that we go, they are what? They are momentary. They are brief in comparison to eternity. How long is eternity? Forever and ever and ever. The Bible says our lives are like a vapor, like a puff of breath, like a wisp of smoke in light of eternity. I look at my kids, and they grow up so fast, don't they? Having two in college right now, it's like, what? Where did they go? Here, we're, praying, we're playing Barbie dolls one minute, and the next minute they look like Barbie, and they're driving off <laughs> into the sunset on the West Coast, and it's like... Where does time go? It flies, doesn't it? It goes so fast. And so the light affliction that we go through, Paul says, man, the suffering we face, it, it's brief in comparison to eternity. We get a little pain, and what do we do? Oh, right? Oh, man, I stubbed my toe. Lord, help. Some of you are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. But listen, our, suffer- our suffering is, is not eternal. Because Jesus paid the price. It is brief. It is momentary. We look at our suffering and compared to Jesus' suffering, it's nothing. It is nothing. And I don't mean to minimize your suffering. I know some of you this morning are going through suffering. Some of you are dealing with cancer. Some of you are dealing with other um, illnesses. But let's please keep it in perspective. It is momentary. And not only that, compared to what the Lord Jesus has done for us, compared to his suffering, it is minimal. What he, what he did to rescue you and I. And so we need to keep, Paul keeps this in perspective. And then he says something else about his suffering, the things he's going through. What God is doing is heavy, it's weighty, it's of real value. I mean, you, you look at this and say, what is the value of our suffering? What is the value of it? The difficulty serving the Lord, the hardships we go through, what is the value of that? Well, it tells us right here that God is doing what? That he is working something in us. He's working. God is at work in your life. Do you know that this morning? Are you grateful he's at work in your life? He's working. And what's he doing? You and I are being molded and shaped to become more and more like who? Jesus. That's what the Bible says. We're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Every circumstance you go through, every situation that you're dealing with, every person you come in contact with, listen, is working for you. God is working for you and not against you. He's working all things together for good of those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. And listen, what doesn't make, what doesn't make sense to you makes perfect sense to God. Can I remind us of that this morning? The refining process that we go through as Christians is how God develops us and prepares us for heaven. You guys know how they would do the ancient like gold and and the silver, how they would refine it, right? Sometimes they do it, you travel around the world, they still do the same process. What do they do with with uh, with with the precious metal? It's in its raw state. What do they do with it? Put it in what? Fire, refiner's fire, right? 
we sing that song. I don't sing that song when you guys lead and sing that song. You guys know the song I'm talking about? Refiner's fire. My heart's one. That is not my heart's desire to get put in the fire. Sorry. But it's a blessing. Because why? Because when that, when that refiner puts the raw material into the fire, what happens? What comes to the surface? The junk, the gunk, the draw. Isn't dross the proper term, correct? And what does he do? He ladles it off, gets rid of it, so that the metal is pure. So what happens when you go through a fiery trial? What comes to the surface in your life? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Refiner's fire. Bring it, Lord. No, no right? It's like beep, 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 beep. Maybe it's, maybe it's no longer outward, but sometimes internally we get mad, don't we? We get frustrated. We get angry. But that's just the draw. That's the junk coming to the surface. And how long did the refiner keep the metal in the fire for? Until he could see what? His reflection, his image in that precious metal. Doesn't that kind of help us out a little bit? God's working for us, right? He's, do, he's allowing us to be in the fire till when? Till he can see his reflection in your life, his image in you and in me. Listen, what we face now is nothing in comparison to what God has for us in heaven. Are you with me? This is inspiring. This will keep you from lo- and me from losing heart. Look at the next verse with me. Paul says, we don't fix our eyes upon the stuff around us. We fix our eyes upon that which we cannot see. The stuff you see now is not permanent. The stuff we see around us right now, all the cool stuff, houses, cars, all the goodies, guess what? It's going to burn, baby, burn. I got a killer new board from one of my precious brothers as a gift about a year and a half ago, and I put a ding in that surfboard, and guess what? I was mad, but the Lord reminded me it's all going to burn. Even that killer board, it's all going to burn. It's not permanent. It's temporary. It's short-lived. It doesn't last forever. So Paul says we fix our things on the things that are not seen because they are eternal. We fix our hearts and minds upon the things of eternity, heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, our eternal king. Well, how are we renewed daily? So So Paul says I'm renewed daily. How does that happen in your life? How does it happen in your life? Think about this with me. This is super vital this morning. And it's very like, um, like applicable, isn't it? How, do I, how am I renewed? If that's the case, I don't want to lose heart. I want to continue to grow in these things that I'm learning. How are we renewed? How does the renewing happen? Well, look at that word look. It says at verse 18, we don't look at. That word in the Greek, check this out. Big Greek word, it's skopio, in which we get microscope, telescope, right? You guys with me still? Like I was, yesterday morning, I was scoping out the waves when I got there at 6.30 and the sun came up. I was scoping them out, right? You guys ever use that word? I was scoping that out. That's this word. It means, literally means, check this out, to examine, to concentrate on, to focus one's eyes upon. So how are we renewed, reinvigorated, How are we revived? Listen, by putting your eyes on Jesus. By fixing your eyes on Jesus. Well, that sounds really cool, Pastor, but what does that mean? 
That's great. Pie in the sky and the great by and by. That sounds cool. Put my eyes on Jesus. What does that mean practically? It means to spend time every day at the feet of Jesus. It means opening your Bible and praying every day. Not to prepare a Bible study, not to prepare something you're going to throw at someone else, but just to sit like Mary did. Remember when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus? You guys remember that? What was Martha doing? Busy, right? Distracted with many things all over the board. She busts out of the kitchen, hands on hips. Lord, tell her to get in here. Tell her to get in here. Anytime you tell the Lord what to do, you're way off. Are you with me? Tell my sister. She doesn't even call her by, doesn't even call her by name. My, tell my sister to get in here. But Jesus is like, you know, he didn't say like, mellow out, chick. <laughs> Martha, Martha, you're worried and consumed about many things, but there's one thing that's necessary. It's one thing, the needful thing, the thing that needs to get put back in place every day, you guys, is being at the feet of Jesus. It's how we keep from losing heart. It's how we're renewed daily, not only individually, but then gathering corporately. You know, the Bible tells us we are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are to be gathering together regularly as God's people, whether it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, Tuesday morning, ladies' Bible study, men's study, not tomorrow night, you're canceling, Chuck, I don't know, Labor Day. Uh, But we have plenty of times where we can gather corporately, and what happens when we gather corporately? You guys know the presence of the Lord is here to minister to our hearts, the power to heal. And don't you leave here with your cup filled? Some of us overflowing, it's like, oh, that was awesome. I'm more in love with Jesus, more in love with his word, and it's so awesome. I'm renewed. I'm reinvigorated. Listen, that, God wants that to happen every day in your life, day by day, moment by moment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I haven't made the focus of my life temporary things, but eternal things. Again, if you focus on the temporary things, you will lose heart. You will lose heart. That's why you need to focus upon Jesus and his word. Look at chapter 5. For we know, do we know this, my brothers and sisters, this morning? We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, check this out, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. This is so glorious. So verses 1 through 8, I only read verse 1 through 5. Paul is speaking about, check this out, he's speaking about the assurance of the resurrection, of the life to come for us as believers. Is that your hope this morning? That your last breath here will be your first breath in the presence of the Lord And Paul's talking about here with a new, glorified, resurrected body. Anybody excited about that? Hallelujah. 
And he covered, listen, he covered this material in 1 Corinthians 15, didn't he? We went through that chapter. Um, that, this is, that this is not all there is to life, the things that we see around us. And the Corinthians, check this out. Why would Paul go down this trail again? Why is he, why is he even talking about this again? Think about this with me. The Corinthians were totally blessed. They were, they were experiencing financial prosperity. This was a wealthy city, no doubt a wealthy church. They were affluent. Really, they had it made. They had, they had everything that the world says will make you happy and satisfy you. And remember, they're coming out of a background where they worshipped gods and goddesses, right? And the gods and goddesses were everywhere with these amazing bodies. And, and, and that's what, that was the, the, the standard that you had to live up to. And, and, and that's a downer, man. That leads to emptiness, trying to live up to that standard. I can't keep up with that. But here's a church, perhaps, that they were living for that. Not only that, but they were focused on the temporal. They were overly focused not only on the, their physical bodies, but also upon their status in the community. This is important. Because that excessive focus on the temporal things, listen, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you lose heart this morning. As good as this life is, this is not what life is all about, you guys. It's about living for the Lord and serving Him. In fact, that's what Paul talks about. He says we know this, that we are absolutely positively sure that if our earthly house, this tent, what what is he talking about? Our what? Our physical bodies. That's what he's talking about. Paul, Paul was a tent maker, by the way. You guys know that. So he knew about tents, didn't he? We have any campers here? Any, we have any campers here? A couple campers? It's okay to, to own up. What are, the, what are the tents made out of today? It used to be canvas when I was young. What is it now? Nylon, right? You just press a button and just pops up. Right? Back in the day, son, when we would put up tents, you'd have to strap it down, get the tent pegs right, nail it down, get it all dialed in. They're canvas. There's a big difference between a tent and the house you live in, correct? Is there a big difference? Tents get holes, I mean, right? They wear out, they're temporal. Our physical bodies are like an old tent. And one day, guess what? The tent pegs are going to get lifted. But that's not the end of the story. We will leave that tent behind. Why? Because God has prepared for you and I a new body. It's beautiful. A new house, he says. A new building. Supernaturally made by him. It's not made with hands. It's made by God, and it's a body. Notice what it says, eternal in the heavens. It is fitted for all eternity with God. Listen, physical death is not the end of life. Do you know that this morning? Physical end is not the, physical death is not the end of life. Death is certain. The statistics are still the same, aren't they? 10 out of 10 die, correct? Unless we're raptured. Because I, I know someone's going to email me and say, what about Enoch, Pastor? What about Elijah? God bless you, I say. You're right. But a general principle is it is appointed man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so... 
Death is certain, but listen, here's the good news this morning. You ready for this one? For the believer, just as certain is a new body that God has prepared for you. One body is temporary. One body is permanent. One is earthly. One is heavenly. Some of you have chronic pain. Some of you are struggling with affliction. Can I remind you this morning, you are not made for this world. You're not made for this world. I'm not made for this world. Really, the best is yet to come. In fact, look at the next verse. He says in verse 2, For in this we groan, we sigh and cry, we creak and squeak. Does that happen to anybody in the morning when you get up? It's like, i got to like warm up in bed just to get moving these days. <laughs> get like, like the tin man, get some oil on those joints. You guys laugh, you're laughing, you know what I'm talking about. We groan. Earnestly desiring what? To, to slip into our new body from heaven with great anticipation. Because our physical bodies are wearing out, they're breaking down, and we desire, we groan and desire, anticipating having a body like Jesus' body. In fact, it tells us that, doesn't, doesn't the Lord tell us that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. So we don't know a whole lot about Jesus' resurrection body. We know some things, don't we? He could travel through walls. All of a sudden, he just pop up, right, through the wall. He ate. You guys remember? He did eat fish and chips, sushi. And we, we learn a few things. No more limitations of the bodies we have now. No more weakness, no more pain, no more sin. There's going to be a radical change, you guys, with these new bodies. The older I get, the better and better it sounds. That's why I want to look at the things that are not seen. <laughs> to look unto Jesus. And God will, look at verse 3, God will cover us with our new eternal bodies. And then it says, we shall not be found naked. You know what that means? God has us covered. We will not be some kind of disembodied spirits floating around in the atmosphere. We will not be, you guys ever like see pictures of chubby cherubim? You guys ever see chubby? They look like babies. They're like giant babies with harps. You know what I'm talking about? We're not going to be found naked. (laughs) We're not going to be giant cherubs playing harps. We will know just as we are known. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3 tells us. And I believe, based upon this passage, that the transformation will happen just like that. It's going to happen immediately. That when we take our last breath here, As we pass through the veil into eternity, the sting of death gone, I believe what's going to happen is we immediately receive our new body as we join God who is living in the eternal now, who's living outside of time and the space continuum. As tent dwellers, look at verse 4, we sigh, we cry, we creak, we squeak, we're burdened. We We don't want to be undressed. 
but rather literally appropriately clothed, putting on what is fitting. That mortality, that what's subject to death will be consumed by life eternal. And we should be looking forward to this. The physical body being replaced by the heavenly body. Well, who's going to do that for us? Look what it says. Next verse. How do I know this is going to happen? Verse 5. The one who has prepared us for this very thing is who? It's God. He's rendered us fit. He's the one who's worked this all out exactly for us. Aren't you glad God's working it all out? It's great assurance. Who's also given us the Holy Spirit as what? As a guarantee. Do you guys like guarantees? Anybody say, you know what? I don't want a guarantee on that. I just trust you, man. When you buy something, don't you like a guarantee? It's going to work. Listen, God's guarantee is 100% sure because he is reliable. He's dependable. He's faithful. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And you guys know when you give your life to Jesus, a miracle happens. God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our hearts and in our lives. The Comforter, the Helper, He begins to do this radical work in us and through us. He leads us. He guides us. Anybody grateful for the Holy Spirit this morning? He's a person. He's not an it. He's not a force. But He's also a guarantee. That's beautiful. He's a guarantee. God wants you and I this morning, brother or sister, to have assurance that we will live together with him and that he has new bodies prepared to be with him for all eternity. In other words, the Lord is saying, I'm taking care of you now and I will fulfill all of my promises to you then when you get home to be with me. Good news this morning? Yeah. I mean, in fact, he says in the next verse, we're always confident. Man, we're stoked. We're of good cheer. We're always confident knowing, man, we've got that, we're knowing that, knowing that while we are at home in the body, We are absent from the Lord. So while we're dwelling in these temporary tents, we're living abroad. We're not quite home with Jesus yet. In fact, Jesus said something cool about that, didn't he? Let not your heart be troubled. You guys remember this, these verses? Again, troubled heart, losing heart. Let not, Jesus would say today, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will what? I will come back again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Is that glorious? Speaking of the rapture of the church, before the tribulation, I believe, he's coming any minute, gang. He's preparing a place for you right now. Is that good news this morning? That that kind of amenable stuff. I don't know if that's a word, but it's kind of amenable. To me, it is. Thank you, Lord. We know where we're headed. Verse 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. For we walk by faith. Walk speaks of your manner of life. And what does he say here? Our manner of life is simply trusting Jesus Christ. Taking him at his word. Believing his word. We don't need to see with our physical eyes. This is such a key to the Christian life right here, this verse. It's so small. 
and yet so powerful, you guys. Because believing something we can't see is how we get saved. And that's how we are to continue on in our walk, in our journey with Jesus Christ. We walk by faith and not by sight. Here's the deal. If you look at your circumstances, if you're living by sight, you will lose heart. No amens? Well, that's what's going to happen. You'll get frustrated. You'll get depressed. You will end up empty if you are living purely by sight. Real life is found living by faith. And by the way, it's not only a daily decision to spend time with Jesus. It's a daily decision to believe what God says. To walk by faith. Or what do you do? You live by what you can figure out. And the Bible tells us that what? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He wants us to walk to trust him simply by faith. And he goes on to say, oh, oh, time out. The Holy Spirit does something else. He makes these things real to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Remember what it says there? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul quoting from the Old Testament, but as it is written from Isaiah, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. You guys ever hear that verse quoted? But you often don't hear the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. The Holy Spirit's revealing those things to us of what what the Lord has prepared for you and I, the glorious things. As you're spending time in the Word and and allowing His Word to sink deeply into your heart, you begin to meditate on those things. Man, what is that going to be like, having a new body? What's it going to be like like not struggling with sin in this issue, this addiction, the struggle? What's it going to be like not having pain and suffering that I'm going through, the chronic suffering? The migraines, cerebral palsy. I think about my son. I can't wait to see him run and hear his little voice again. Seeing the precious brothers and sisters in this church that have gone on before us that have, that not only lived heroic lives for Jesus. They died heroic lives for Jesus. Thinking about being reunited with them in heaven, being around the throne, praising the Lord. Where our voices will be perfect. I don't have to listen to so-and-so next to me here. They're off-key, off. Just kidding. Have you, given, have you given heaven a thought? When's the, last time, when's the last time you gave heaven a thought? Do you know we are to set our mind on things above, the Bible says? To set. We have the ability as Christians to set our mind on things above. Doesn't the book say that somewhere? Not only says that, it says seek those things which are above. Seek and set your mind, your life on those things that are 
above. He says in verse 8, we're of good cheer. Why? Extremely happy, well-pleased to be out of our tents and to be together with Jesus. Isn't that going to be great? That's when our faith will become sight, to see the beautiful face of Jesus. Is anybody else excited for that? Remember when Jesus healed the man that was blind from birth? You guys remember that? He healed like a lot of different blind people. But think about what was the first thing he saw when his eyes opened up? He saw Jesus, right? It all went downhill from there. After, I mean, you see the best thing you could ever see is seeing the beautiful face of Jesus smiling at you. How awesome is that going to be when you take your last breath and you see him smiling saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. It's going to be glorious. Listen, that's when our hopes and dreams will come about and happen. They'll come true. Well, therefore, in light of that, we make it our aim. Verse 9, check it out, gang. Is that clock right? We still have another hour? <laughs> I think they had a little mishap on the clock. Don't look, don't look, don't. If you're looking, repent immediately. Okay, got your attention. Verse 9, therefore, <laughs> therefore, we make it our aim, <laughs> whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. We make it our aim. No matter what my location, here, there, or in the air, we want to do what? What does Paul say? We want to make Jesus happy. We want His approval. In other words, we do everything to please our Lord. And we don't, listen, this morning, we don't do that to earn anything. We don't do that to earn his love. His love is already flowing in our direction. We don't do that to earn grace because grace is unearned, unmerited. We don't do that to earn salvation because Jesus secured our salvation by suffering and dying on the cross and rising again on the third day. We simply have placed our trust in him. We simply do what we do no matter where we are. Why? To please our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And listen, we want to keep from losing heart Paul says, this is our aim. Is this your aim this morning? Listen, is this your aim? To please Jesus? Is that your target? Have you set your sights on pleasing the Lord? Is that your ambition? Is that your purpose? I recently got to go shooting with my good friend Renee. I'm not much of a shooter. And I started off like Rambo style. Just kind of, just you know, just going to... Boom, 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 boom. And then and he's like, you know what? You can't aim that thing. Did you know that? It's got some sights on there, and you can aim that. Th- oh, yes. Why are you saying that, Mike? Well, because sometimes we lose our aim. And we put our focus on the wrong things. Sometimes our aim is pleasing ourselves. And you know what? You'll never, you can never satisfy yourself. Sometimes our aim is pleasing others, and guess what? They'll never be satisfied with you. God is the only one who brings satisfaction into our lives. God is the only one worth living to please. Pleasing Him, listen, pleasing the Lord should be our aim. Otherwise, you'll be worn out trying to please yourself, trying to please others. It is tiring. What a great reminder this morning. And you will lose heart. 
Verse 10 and 11, we'll finish up here this morning. Verse 10, for we must all appear. How many of us must appear? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we're introduced to the judgment seat of Christ. And this is like pretty critical stuff this morning. There are three judgments we see in the scriptures. Number one, the judgment of the nations. Jesus spoke about the judgment of the nations, which will occur at the end of the tribulation. The seven years of tribulation, it will occur at the end when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom here on earth. For how long? How long has he set up his kingdom for? thousand years. It's called the millennial reign. It's not when the millennials will reign. It's when Jesus will reign for 1,000 years. Those that survive the tribulation period that have placed their trust in Jesus Christ will enter into the millennial kingdom to repopulate the earth at that time. The Jewish believers, they're going to, at the end of the tribulation, the, the Jews that survive, they're going to cry out for Jesus, recognizing that he is the Messiah. And who's going to be, who's going to be with Jesus for that second coming? Well, what are we going to be riding? Harleys? What are we riding? Horses. That's right. So there's that judgment, though, separating the sheep from the goats. The sheep go into the millennial kingdom. Goats uh, wait. They go to, guess what? They go to a place of waiting for the great white throne judgment which happens at the end of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. When those who are in waiting, those that have rejected Jesus Christ, will be resurrected, they will stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and they will be sentenced to the eternal lake of fire. That should break our hearts. Well, we'll talk about that in the next verse. And then there's one more judgment. You know who that one's for? That's what he's talking about. The judgment seat of Christ. It's also called the Bema seat of Christ. In those days, ancient times, they would have a, a seat where a judge would sit to render decisions like a courtroom. Also, that seat, that judgment seat, would be used for orations to proclaim stuff. But it was also at the Olympic Games, they would have the judgment seat, and that's where the judge would give out the awards. And so, guess what? We're going to receive. We're going to receive rewards. That's what that's, this is talking about this morning. We must, as believers, this is just believers, every one of us will appear. We're all going to stand before Jesus, you guys. You can also find this in Romans 14 if you're taking notes in 1 Corinthians 3. I'll let you guys find the address yourselves. You can dig. But at that judgment, all of our stuff that we've done, good or bad, it, there's going to be fire and only the good stuff is going to remain. The stuff that we did to, be, to please Jesus, motivated by love, right? If it's not motivated by love, remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13? It's worth what? Zilch. Worth nothing. Our motivations will be tested. And, and, and listen, we have, sometimes we have mixed motivations, don't we? The Lord's able to filter through it all. Because sometimes right, we start with a good motivation, but then it's like, oh man, that wasn't a good motivation. I was doing that to please men. Remember what Jesus said about that? 
The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they did everything to please, to be seen by men, correct? Isn't that and Jesus said, you got, you got your reward right there. All you can do is record that and listen to it for all eternity. Because <laughs> that's all you got. That's all you're getting. Because you did it to please men. We want to do, we want to be faithful. Listen, here's the deal. Jesus spoke about this. He spoke about us being faithful with what's been entrusted to us. Our time, our talents, and our treasure. To invest it in his kingdom. To invest our lives in what truly matters. Some of us, listen, some, like Paul talked about in Philippians. He talked about in Philippians, listen what he says. He says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul's like, I've suffered the loss of all things. And he counts that stuff, the things he once invested in, the things of this world, the praises of men, he counts it as rubbish. You know what that word really is? What was it? Dung. Manure. Paul spent most of his life piling up manure. He says it was all manure until I came to know Jesus. Listen, some of us this morning, you're so busy piling up manure. I'm saying this because I love you. I want to be your... What what do those people do that help with investing? What are they called? Financial advisor. I am your eternal advisor this morning. You can take that manure and turn it into gold. If you start using that for the glory of God. Whatever it is. Because look, look what he goes on to say. Well, Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, store up your treasures in heaven. Didn't he say something like that in the book? Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot get to it, where thieves can't rip it off. That's like the loose Robertson paraphrase. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. Look at verse 11 as we finish. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. This is heavy. This is a good heavy this morning right here as we finish. As Paul is looking forward, what's he looking forward to talking about the previous verse? What's he looking forward to? Is it a long weekend? I know. Come on. What's he looking forward to? The judgment seat of, as he's looking forward, he recognizes the reality, the magnitude, the weight, the seriousness of having to stand before the Lord. And he says, since we know the fear, the awe, the dread, the reverence, we do what? We persuade men. We seek to win men to Jesus Christ. Paul is compelled, listen, Paul is compelled to make sure everybody will stand before the Lord the right way. He had a heart for the lost. 
Listen, he was not just satisfied knowing that he had a place in heaven prepared for him. He was not just satisfied knowing that a new new body awaited him. But what? He wanted to see people rescued for Jesus Christ. And by the way, Proverbs 11.30 says, He that wins souls is wise. Paul invested what God gave him to reach the lost. In fact, in Daniel 12, I'm going to read this verse. Daniel 12, listen to this verse. It's so good. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. God says, you want to be a star? Lots of people want to be stars in Hollywood, stars on the big screen. You want to be a star in my kingdom? Turn people to righteousness. Help people come to know me. And Paul says, listen, God knows us personally, intimately, thoroughly. And I trust that what? He says at the end of that verse, verse 11 as we finish, that the Corinthians would have a clear and thorough thorough understanding of Paul and his team. Listen, Paul was passionate about seeing people stand before the judgment seat of Christ and not the great white throne judgment. And it's like he's saying, as he closes this, we're gonna, we have to close here because we're out of time. But it's like he's saying, I know you guys, I hope you guys know me well enough that this is real to me. That I'm not playing games. Neither should you. You need to invest your life in the things that truly matter. And there are people here that are playing games at church, sadly. And we, I pray for you. I love you. There are people that play church. And listen, you're going to have to stand before the Lord. You're not going you know, to be able to stand in someone else's faith, someone else's efforts. You're going to have to stand before the Lord. And that concerns me because I care about you. I love you. God doesn't want phony. He wants real. Do you want phony? Do you guys want like phony stuff? I mean, we can fool one another, but you can't fool the Lord. So it's like, don't waste another... And you know what? Fooling people, being a phony, will wear you out and you will lose heart. You be real. We walk in the light as he is in the light. And God does this glorious work within each one of us, cleansing us of our sins, working in a special way. And guess what? It, It will all be worth it in the end, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning, for... Lord, the weight of this passage, the awesome exhortations and comfort and reminders, we're so grateful. God, I pray that my precious brothers and sisters would take away those things that have come from your heart, that truly the precious would be removed from the vile, that the chaff would be blown away, that God, we would take away those things this morning that have come from you, that we would walk in the things that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that a bruised reed you will not break and a smoking flax you will not quench. I pray, Lord, for those brothers and sisters this morning that are hurting, that are broken. Bruised, Lord. 
they would have fixed their eyes upon you.